My love for Rashad Penny has officially been called out. What is up, beautiful Dynasty? We'll get to that in a second. What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined as always by Mr. Tight End Premium, aka Dan McAuliffe. And Dan, we have our first guest. We have a very special guest today. We do. I'm excited to introduce a man who, without this man, Dan, I don't even know if you'd be in any dynasty leagues. I think you're right. When when we were getting these leagues off the ground, he was instrumental in helping me set them up, get them running. I'm speaking, of course, of none other than Mr. Wes Caparato. Wes, welcome to the show, buddy. Gentlemen, thanks for having me today. Happy to be here and uh, happy to chat with you and your fellow dynasty leaguers. We love it, man. It's good good to get some other voices on the show, hear some other opinions. I'm sure people are getting sick of just hearing me and Dan. So exactly. uh, we're, we're happy to have you. Um, and we, we let you drive the show sheet today. So, I mean, these are the guys that, that Wes wanted to talk about. Um, so we got a bunch of vets to get into, maybe saving the rookie talk for a little later. Um, and we're ready to rock and roll. But before that, Dan... Um, you know, we, we put out the call for reviews last we time. We did. And the people have answered. Um, and, you know, I wanted to kind of just you know, get, go over some of this. Somebody wrote us a really long review, and I just wanted to go over some of the finer points of the review. Awesome. Let's hear it. Dan and Max are the talking dynasty heads that I didn't know I needed in my life, but I can't live without. This person says that they flat out know their stuff, and they prove it every show. Um, they love how they keep it a clean 30, 40 minutes for episode. Wes, you got to help us do that today. Uh, <laughs> but, but here's the part that I have a problem with. Here's, here's the part that I have a problem with. So I'm a little skeptical of Max's undying faith in Rashad Penny. But aside from that, I'd give this show a 10 out of 10. Would there recommend. we go. Someone had to say it, Max. As you said, what we wanted to be able to get out of these reviews, and we appreciate that one, and absolutely looking to, for anyone who's listening, be able to get a few more out of the belt. We want to know the things that you like about the show and the things that you might not like about this show so much because we want to make this super, super great content for you, the listeners. So uh, a review like that, got to love it. We heard some good things there and certainly some things that we can potentially look to improve on, uh, especially your trutherism of uh, one Rashad Penny, Mr. Max. So We will get to Rashad Penny. Dan crosses him out on the show sheet every time I add him there. Um, yeah, so does the league. The league will eventually get to, uh, to Rashad Penny because apparently it hasn't happened yet. So, And just for the record, that review was left by the alias uh, Mr. Randers Bobanders. And if that is a Trailer Park Boys reference, you are not invited to my cheeseburger picnic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So we got Wes here. We got a bunch of good stuff. I say we just jump right in. So Wes is the guest. That means Wes gets to drive the show sheet. And I said, Wes, who do you want to talk about? And he said, Max, I have one man. And one man that we need to leave with, and his name is Cam Newton. Wes, I'm tossing it right your way. Tell me why even the three of us are Pats fans, but tell me why people that aren't Pats fans should believe in Mr. Cam Newton. Gentlemen, happy to be here and cannot wait to talk about our boy Cam Newton. Um, I think last year we got a, a, a small preview of what we can expect from Cam and the Patriots. Obviously, uh, it was riddled with injuries, covid and probably you know tons of other issues going on on and off the field um but the reason why i like cam as much as i do is a he's on a incentive deal for his contract so he has to perform to get paid he's barely making any money if he doesn't um and then i also i want to talk about a few games last year that 
really get me excited about Cam and I think we could potentially see this year is week two, we saw 44 pass attempts, 30 completions, almost 400 yards, 11 rush attempts, 50 rushing yards, one pass touchdown, and three rushing touchdowns. And if you take that out of a uh, – and make that a 16-game season, that puts him at like 400-plus points for the year. Now, I don't think that's going to you know be his pace all year long, but that is his ceiling and his potential, and that's where I'm ranking him at and valuing him for uh, this year's 2021 season. Off the top of my head, was that the Seattle game? Off the top of your head, that was the Seattle game. It was a Seattle game. All right, so we know he's not going to play that secondary every time. But, Dan, what are your thoughts? I mean, we didn't see a lot of passing volume from Cam outside of that one game. That's just true. Exactly. Didn't see the passing volume. What are your thoughts on Cam right now? Yeah, it's so hard because he had so much kind of working against him with a season like this, right? Uh, No OTAs, offseason, preseason, all that type of stuff for him to be able to establish a relationship with the team. Uh, You are missing a lot of like key wide receiver or even just weapons in general that he could be able to play off of. Um, So we certainly didn't see him set up for success in a way. And honestly, again, with the Pats too, really hard system to learn. In your first year to be able to do something like that, there's high expectations. Uh, getting COVID, like, it's hard because, again, what, we're all kind of Patriots fans here. So, you know, there's a chance we start to make some excuses for him there. But I really do think that he is set up to succeed uh, beyond what we, he was uh, last season. As you said, incentives-based contracts, like, he is going to be doing everything that he can. And I do believe he led the, uh, the league in rushing touchdowns as a quarterback as well. So if he still keeps that type of base and is able to have a lot more in the passing volume aspect, I think it's going to uh, absolutely kind of raise him up uh, to that next level. Whether he's going to be able to hit that QB1 in terms of uh, fantasy for next season, yet to be discovered, right? Because there's a lot he has to make up for compared to last season. But it's going to be fun to see him uh, with these new weapons that he's been provided. Uh, Certainly not the highest tier uh, weapons like a a Kenny Galladay that could have landed there, but he's got certainly an improvement over last year. So I'm excited to see what he can do, but I am a little bit reserved uh, because there's a lot of question marks that still have to be answered for me uh, with a couple games in the first season. Yeah, so this is somebody who, I mean, was number 16, right? So middle of the pack in fantasy points per game at the position last year. Um, You know, a lot of that, pretty much the majority of it was – was boosted by you know the rushing touchdowns the rushing production did not look great throwing the ball right was outside the was outside the top 30 in uh, money throws this past year um and the one thing i'm wary of is is the contract it's incentive based but it's basically a backup contract um you know if you look at like i can't remember if this was sports track or over the cap but basically what he's on the books for in 2021 is barely above andy dalton and jacoby Brissett. so I'm not sure he's guaranteed the starting job, um, but you can see with the moves that the Pats have made that they are trying to give him more weapons, right? Which will be interesting to see how they balance that offense. And speaking of one of those weapons, uh, I, I teased it earlier, Mr. Tight End Premium over here, uh, he got a shiny new pair of tight ends if he is the starter. So Dan, why don't you tell me a little bit about your thoughts on one of those tight ends, Mr. Johnny Smith? 
You got it. Yeah, of course. Uh, if, if we're going to talk about Johnny Smith in there, we also got to clearly mention uh, that Hunter Henry uh, got signed by the Patriots as well, right? So it's been a roller coaster of emotions for those who are, are invested and love Johnny Smith because you see that signing happen and you're like, man, awesome. Great opportunity for him to be able to be a central focus of an offense. You know that New England has traditionally been able to utilize tight ends that are talented. Um, so it was really interesting to see when that first signing happened with Johnny Smith. You're like, oh my God, yes. Then you see Hunter uh, Henry get signed as well, and you're like, okay, that starts to potentially uh, factor in and limiting his potential ceiling here. But let's start to talk about Janu as kind of the, the profile and what he's been able to do, and we'll kind of incorporate Hunter Henry as we go. So Janu Smith, I mean, from a prospect and player perspective, I love uh, athletic tight ends, uh, and he is certainly one of the, uh, the leaders there. He's a 93rd percentile spark athlete, uh, so amazing athletic dude. Uh, and then when it comes to actual production, he was a top 12 tight end in fantasy points per game in 2020 uh, with only 41 receptions. That's because he's a yak monster. What he's able to do when you actually get the ball in his hands, he's able to make plays that you really didn't intend on happening because he's just a big dude with extreme athleticism there. Uh, more than 50% of his yards came after the catch last year. That's insane. That's a weapon that you want to be able to have with the Patriots to be able to make something out of nothing. So... You kind of see what he's been able to do. That's why I'm so excited that he joins the Patriots. Then you have Hunter Henry kind of comes into the mix. So if you look at it, uh, PFF's overall uh, tight end grades for 2020 for these two, Janu was at 12, Henry was at 24. So immediately he starts to have an edge there, right? But let's kind of take a look a little further. The biggest thing that I start to put some weight on is they got Janu first. And not only first, like first day, pretty much the first big free agent signing. You immediately see as soon as tampering period comes out, Janu Smith. Patriots, fantastic. People are getting really excited. And then you got to follow the money. He's 30 at 30 million, 30 plus million guaranteed on the, the contract that he's been able to sign. That makes him the third highest paid tight end in the league after Kittle and Kelsey. That's not chump change. And if you're looking to be able to utilize someone, you know you got to pay him like that. And you know if someone's getting money like that, they're going to be utilized. The other aspect, Bill gushes over Jonu Smith. Uh, I loved picking him up in a lot of leagues because of seeing what Bill Belichick had as, as thoughts for Johnny Smith. His, uh, my favorite quote for him is, I can't imagine anyone better than him after the catch. He knows that Johnny is a yak monster, and that's exactly how he's going to intend to use them going forward. Uh, and also, just when we were talking about Cam Newton, he loves his big body receivers. You've seen Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches actually look serviceable uh, when Cam was throwing his way because he targets them so frequently. Uh, and you've even seen like Greg Olson become a factor uh, in an offense uh, with someone like Cam throwing him the ball. So it just makes me super excited. Um, I absolutely have to factor in that Hunter Henry is going to be there stealing uh, a lot of those targets. But if someone's going to win out in this tight end battle, I'm going to put my money on Jonu Smith. Yeah, I mean, you see the Gronk-Hernandez comps, right? That's all the beat writers are talking about, all For the sure. headlines of the Gronk-Hernandez stuff. And, um, you know... John is interesting because, you know, Hernandez kind of played a little bit of that like H back role back in the day, right? Move yeah. tight end, kind of taking handoffs out of the backfield. Like that was just his skill set. He was a monster athlete and, and John who's arguably an even better athlete. So, um, you know, you covered a lot of ground there with John Wes, how do you feel about, you know, for, for your love of cam with, you know, John in the mix, you know, splashing a little bit of Hunter Henry. What are your, what are your thoughts on kind of the tight end situation in new England? Yeah, man, I'm really excited for the uh, the, the uh, catch receivers just in general for the Patriots. Um, 
Johnny being my favorite, Hunter Henry, he's up there. And even I haven't forgot about Nikhil Harry. Um, I think he's probably more talented and better than Calvin Benjamin or Devin Funches ever were. So I think he has an opportunity to redeem himself. Um, but with that being said, Johnny's still my favorite. I think he's the most versatile um, pass option they have. And also, he thinks it himself. He thinks he's the most versatile um, tight end in the league. Um, and back in the day between 2011 and 2016, you know, we had Greg Olson posting top five tight end numbers. And if anyone's going to do it, John U can definitely do it. You need to give Newton a target he can't miss. You need to yep. give him uh, not always the most accurate. You need to give someone he can't miss. But I, I, yeah, I think I think Cam is in the process of he's rebuilding that confidence. And if he gets that, if he gets to that first tier again of you know being old Cam, we could see him and John New and maybe a couple of these other guys really connecting and putting together the pieces. So. With free agency, I mean, Cam's not the only one that are that are getting new receivers, uh, right? And I, I wanted to talk about one of Wes's favorite players, but Dan, I think also a big big favorite of yours, a uh, nice little X-Factor wide receiver, and that's Curtis Samuel. So, uh, Wes, I'm going to let you kick it off here, former Ohio State phenom. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why you're uh, so enamored with Curtis Samuel? So, yeah, I am a big Curtis Samuel fan, uh, very excited for his new landing spot in Washington. Um, and because of the dynamic player that he is, I, I believe that he's going to put himself in the position to be successful again, you know, hopefully have about 1,000 all-purpose yards. Um, but he's, the, he's the, the receiver that I think Washington needed. They already have their Terry McLaurin. Um, they have Antonio Gibson, who is a great back, but this will add some uh, diversity and be able to switch things up for them a little bit. Yeah, that offense was fun to watch last year, right? Um, I mean, both Antonio Gibson and McKissick were startable just because of the way they were kind of crafty. Like, they just wanted to get yeah. playmakers on the field. And and we know, we know Curtis Samuel is a playmaker. I mean, his his junior year at Ohio State, like 771 rushing yards at 865 receiving yards. The guy runs a 4-3-1, so Dan, you know I love him. Oh, yes. Um, Still just 24 years old. Wes, he hit that mark you were talking about last year, right? That thousand plus all purpose yards. Um, I think the one concerning thing that sticks out is just like that average depth of target, right? Pretty far down the ranks there. So not necessarily getting those targets down the field. But Dan, Washington has shiny new receiver, shiny new Amish rifle. Uh, <laughs> let, let's hear your thoughts. What do you think about Curtis Samuel in that offense? Yeah, I'm excited just because, again, I mean, for in terms of landing spot, that was a big desirable location for any kind of free agent wide receiver, right? Just because there's not too many other weapons that are like ingrained uh, that you know you're going to be having to work against. You got Terry McLaurin. He's in his own class. We love him. Uh, he's going to continue to be the the major alpha there. So what then what you needed was a wide receiver, too, who can keep themselves on the field as much as possible uh, to try and garner as many targets as possible. And if anyone's going to do that, it's going to be Curtis Samuel, because as we said, 
out of the backfield slot uh deep down the field whatever he needs to do he can because that average depth of target i i totally get it you saw the year before i think it was 2019 he was getting a lot of air yards down the field you just he wasn't being hit because of quarterback play so he has that ability he's speedy he can you can put him in those types of situations and if anyone's going to be able to unlock that i think it's going to be someone like ryan fitzpatrick uh, so if we get a little Fitz magic, uh, sprinkled in, into the situation, I think you're going to start to see him, uh, unlock that level that you always hoped he was going to be able to in Carolina, but just never got the quarterback back play to be able to do it. Yeah. So to kind of pivot from somebody who, you know, came into the league and, and was pretty hyped up coming out of Ohio state. I mean, let's go to somebody who was a little bit of a surprise their rookie year. And, you know, this was another West guy, right? West wanted his, this man's name right Love on it. the show sheet. Wes, why don't we dig into uh, one Gabriel Davis over in Buffalo a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gabriel Davis, he's a name that I'm pretty excited about this season. I'll be honest, I was more excited once I heard the news of the departure of John Brown. I was very excited. I thought, you know, that's going to open up at least 100 targets um, and just a lot of production and opportunity. I am a little bummed about the signing of Emmanuel Sanders. Um, just because I do believe it tampers uh, expectations for Gabriel and what will be available. Um, but he's so young, and based on what he did last year with a you know a 73% snap share, um, I think the you know the ceiling for him is just going to continue to improve. And you know if it's not this year, maybe it's next year or the year after where we're going to see him putting up close to maybe Stefan Diggs numbers, but at least John Brown type numbers while he was there. Yeah. It's not often that you see a rookie, you know, number seven in average depth of target. Right. So this is somebody yeah. who was winning down the field um, his first year and, and really kind of ascended into this complimentary role in Buffalo. I mean, 35 receptions, 600 yards and seven TDs. I, I know everybody wants, especially when you're in dynasty leagues, everybody wants their rookies to break out and have a thousand yards every day, but that is great production for somebody Absolutely. who just, just came into the league. And you mentioned it before, right? John Brown, he was, uh, Gabriel Davis was actually averaging, you know, 11.4 fantasy points per game. Those games that John Brown missed. So he's somebody that I think, you know, with John Brown gone, Emmanuel Sanders, eh, I don't know about that. We'll see. Um, you know, I think he could step into this role and like, you could really see him blossom in his sophomore season. Dan, anything you want to add, you know, looking at some of the Gabe Davis stuff. Yeah. It's, it's hard because free agency is a, a fickle mistress there, right? You can, things can go so well and look good even for 24 hours. And then the door kind of closes again. Right. So this whole John Brown exits, Emmanuel Sanders comes in. What I do like about it though, is um, that was going to be a potential spot for them to look at investing in another wide receiver uh, if it was just Diggs and Gabe Davis, right? So if you were going to have a, a potential landing spot for rookie to be able to be drafted, that would have maybe been a spot you'd see. They're still continuing to invest in what's going to be a Super Bowl caliber team. They love uh, being able to have Josh Allen throw the ball. Having Emmanuel Sanders comes in, gives me some confidence that they do like Gabriel Davis. He's only 21 years old. I'm uh, going to turn 22 in April, but it shows that they didn't feel like they really needed to go out and get another young guy to come in and take the reins. I think they're like, hey, this guy needs to learn a little bit more. We're going to give him another great veteran wide receiver to be able to learn from. And hopefully it's an investment that continues to grow. 
uh, and he continues to see some some decent production. Uh, Manny Sanders isn't the healthiest wide receiver in the world, too. So if that's the guy who's going to be standing in his way as the wide receiver, too, with him being the wide receiver three, the opportunity certainly certainly presents itself to uh, potentially even exceed what he did last last season. So to move from somebody who kind of has a clear path to production, you know, let's let's talk and, you know, kind of go back and forth on somebody who at one point had a pretty clear path to production, but but now it might not be so clear. And, you know, Wes, I was told when you were coming on the show, uh, a mutual friend of ours texted me and he said, oh, Wes is coming on the show. You got to bring this up. And he sent me a quote that said from last season, it's Darrell Henderson's season. I was just a year too early. Wes, let me hear it about Darrell Henderson. Yes, yes. That is uh, one of my my uh, many failed draft picks in a uh, redraft league. And I'll tell you what, being a, uh, a dynasty fanatic, sometimes you get a little excited about these rookies coming into the league and um, – you get a little zealous on him, and you and you go after him even in the redraft leagues when you shouldn't. So, I think I drafted him um, probably in the first ten rounds uh, his rookie year, and obviously that did not pan out. So, uh, we'll move on from that and uh, start talking about our boy Cam Akers, who I think is I think he's a real deal. Um, he's obviously you know he displayed his talent last season uh, in the playoffs, and then the last couple of games. Um, but I don't think that is the end for our boy Henderson. I think that he really has a chance to kind of be like a one-two punch. He could be a tandem like uh, we used to see with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, something of that sort and caliber. Um, I'm not expecting it right off the bat, but I could see the way the, uh, the Rams run their offense, both of those guys being uh, very utilized throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, Darrell Henderson was such a monster producer at, at Memphis, right? 1,900 rushing yards coming out in his junior season. And and the funny thing is, you know, he and Cam Akers were, you know, passing ships in the night last season, mm-hmm. right? Like Cam was injured for the first part. Darrell was injured for the second part. I mean, he had over 600 yards rushing and 150. This is Darrell Henderson. 600 yards rushing and 150 receiving yards on only playing a third of the snaps last year. So the production was there. When he's on the field, you know, he can make things happen. Um, Dan, what are your thoughts on the dynamic between, like, you know, we all know love that I love Cam Akers, right? He was on the first show we ever did. But, you know, where do you see that dynamic playing out on, on the Rams? Yeah, I think I, I, as as we're all kind of agreeing, I don't think we're going to argue that Akers is clearly the the. If we're even going to say there's a one A and one B, he's the one A, right? Like where he's the one that we believe in, he's the one that they invested in. Um, but I do remember, I mean, there was quotes of um, McVeigh when they were bringing Henderson on board, like, "Hey, we need to go get our Kamara." <laughs> like, like of course now that's not going to come to fruition, but they love that talent, and I think he can be a nice change of pace back for Akers. I still do firmly believe that McVeigh's a little burned by having an absolute workhorse. Uh, and seeing how quickly that can end poorly with health issues. And as we just said, uh, Akers already started to experience some health issues in his first rookie year. So there's a chance that they manage his workload more than fantasy owners care to to recognize. And that Henderson becomes this really good opportunity as a change of pace back. Um, whether it's as successful as the uh, Kamara and Ingram kind of duo left to, left for discussion. But I do think for the cost that there is right now for Darrell Henderson, uh, if you're looking to go and pick him up in a couple places, at very least, he is a very high value uh, running back handcuff. 
and if they start to utilize him more, again, Jonathan Taylor comes in. We're so excited about him. We think that he can do so many great things. And then Naheem Himes is all of a sudden there being a stud as a pass-catching uh, running back. So there are ways that he can still be super valuable, even if he's not the lead back for that offense. So I per personally say his value is probably lowest right now with all this Cam Akers hype. And I'd be gladly picking him up in a couple places just to see where he lands uh, for the 2021 season. Someday you'll be telling your grandkids that Jordan Wilkins was stealing touches from Jonathan Taylor and they'll say, Grandpa, I don't believe you. <laughs> exactly. No, it's it true. happened. It, it happened, people. Um, <laughs> Wes, you've done a great job so far. We are now entering my favorite and tougher part of the show, which is the rapid fire section. So I'm going to kick it off. Let's not spend too, too much time on any of these topics. And the first one actually goes to Dan. Um, but here we go. So line it up for rapid fire. So Dan, Jameis Winston versus Taysom Hill, the battle for Sean Payton's first son. Where are you at on this? <laughs> oh man. So I know, I know that's, um, that's going to be an interesting, uh, kind of contest, if you will, uh, to see how that shakes out there. Personally, I am team Jameis. I am absolutely going to be going Jameis Winston here. I think you're going to want to see, uh, someone who can has a more of a proven track record to take over uh, Drew Brees. I know a lot of people are going to point to it and be like, oh, well, hey, he had his own 30 for 30 special, 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions for um, the 2019 season. Uh, is that how is that contrast to Drew Brees, Mr. Consistency, Mr. Logical decisions down the field? That is a bit of night and day. Right. But here's one thing. Jameis Winston, the man got LASIK. All of a sudden now, he's got working eyes and this this heart that he's going to dedicate towards the, uh, the the Saints here. I'm so excited because I do believe that he deserved to be a highly drafted quarterback. He made bad decisions in the beginning. He was set up to fail with Bruce Arians in his uh, last year with the Bucks uh, in an Arians offense. Unless you're Tom Brady, you're going to struggle. There's so many other quarterbacks who struggle in the first year of uh, Arians offense. And so I believe uh, that the Saints saw something in him. They've been getting a heck of a discount on Jameis Winston uh, and Taysom Hill. I, I honestly, I've never really been a, a big believer. Uh, you see in three years of play, he's only had, he's uh, under 140 attempts, under a hundred completions, four touchdowns and three interceptions. Again, if you're going to take Jameis Winston's one year touchdown to interception ratio as a big issue, well, look at Taysom Hill's entire career and what he's uh, been able to do. I know he hasn't had the same opportunity, but I'm team Jameis all day. I think the, uh, the Taysom Hill is just them kind of keeping a couple options on and making sure that they can uh, give Jameis some really good experience in this coming off season. So. So I'm, I'm going to put, put it on Jameis and see where it goes from there. If I was playing with the Saints when Madden 2022 eventually comes out, I would just alternate them every drive and my opponent would have no idea what to expect. And that's not off the board for uh, a Peyton offense. Uh, there, you're going to see if this is even the case, if you do see Winston as the QB1, just like it was with Drew Brees, you're going to see Taysom Hill come in and ruin uh, the highest ceiling that you could potentially see with Jameis Winston. Thankfully, at least, he throws more than anyone else, especially downfield, so he can hopefully make up for it. Yeah, so let's, let's pivot to uh, another positional battle, and uh, let's talk some Dallas tight ends, Wes. Um, Jarwin versus Schultz. Do you have a favorite? What's the story here? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I don't even know if this will be a story or, uh, you know, topic of discussion towards uh, after preseason and stuff like this. But at the moment right now, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at Jarwin versus Schultz. And, um, you know, 
who who's going to be the the lead tight end for Dallas right now and um, I don't think it's a position to get overly excited in Dallas because you know you have uh, you got CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup, who I think are all sensational wide receivers, and probably going to demand most of the the passing work. But with that, you know you also are going to have a lot of uh, open opportunities uh, for these tight ends, in my opinion, as well. Um, but I got to go with my man Dalton Schultz. You know he's he's the higher draft capital. He's the current hot an- hot hand right now. And um, he's got the youth over uh, uh, Jarwin, not by much, but a little bit. And also, you know, Jarwin's coming off of that torn ACL. And really, the only reason I think uh, Jarwin is still in this topic of discussion is that one game against the Giants in 2018 where he went off for like 120 yards and three touchdowns. So when we were organizing this show, uh, we had a little group text going. And we were talking about the topics and, uh, you know, Curtis Samuel came up and it was just like, oh yeah. I was like, I love Curtis Samuel. He runs a four, three, one. I mean, he's a Cascons guy. If he runs a four, three, one. <laughs> and Wes is like, yeah, I mean, you like Curtis Samuel, but not as much as Dan. And I like Curtis Samuel. So we, this is the part where I have my secret questions that you guys have no idea what I'm going to ask. So Let's hear it. I want to know exactly where you guys are. I want to find that line, the Curtis Samuel line, right? So if we're just talking strictly wide receivers, I got a list and I want to know if you guys want Curtis Samuel or prefer the other wide receiver. First one, it. I'm going to toss out there to Dan. Dan, do you want Curtis Samuel or are you looking at somebody like a Denzel Mims? Good question. I, I do like Mims. Uh, I don't think he got the uh, the, the full shake uh, last season. So I think there's a lot more that we're going to see him be able to do. Um, but you just saw Corey Davis sign there. So all of a sudden, he's definitely, in my opinion, relegated to a wide oh receiver, too. Oh, my God. Two. It's like the ninth time Dan brings up Corey I'm Davis just saying he's not going to leave because he's that good. Um, but in, in that scenario, I think you've easily got Denzel Mims in the wide receiver, two position. So in a similar uh, area with Curtis Samuel. But Curtis Samuel with the proven track record still being young, I'm going to go Curtis Samuel there. All right, Wes, how about this one? So reasonable ADP, you're looking at Curtis Samuel. Or somebody like a Cooper Cup? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, this season in particular, especially with uh, the free agency move of Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, I think his value is going to shoot back up a little bit. And I do think he's a tremendous talent. Um, I think he'll demand more wide receiver one numbers. I probably have to go Cooper Cup on this one um, just because he's already done it. He's proved it. He's had a top five wide receiver season before. And Curtis Samuel is still kind of a question mark for me. I think he's got all the bells and whistles to be a phenomenal wide receiver. But I really believe he's uh, more of he's always going to be, in my opinion, a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, whereas Cooper Cup has the ability to be a wide receiver two, wide receiver one. Yep. Yep. I love it. Let's pivot back to another Dan Darling. So, Dan, with that recent signing. Do you want Curtis Samuel or do you want Mr. Corey Davis? Oh, man. All right. I, I'm i going to go Corey Davis here. Uh, oh, my I, God. Yep. Shut the mics off. Nope. The show's 100%. over. <laughs> I'm doing Corey Davis. I think I think they are going to prioritize him, and he has a better chance of uh, hitting wide receiver one numbers more often than not than Curtis Samuel. Uh, I love both of their talents, but you have to incorporate scheme and investment into the process. And I think uh, especially if you're going to see uh, them potentially upgrade the quarterback situation over with the Jets, I, I think Corey Davis. So hold me Curtis to it. Samuel we'll see. Club takes its first big hit. All right, let's uh, see if the hits continue. Let's see if the hits continue. Wes, who do you got? Curtis Samuel 
or Debo Samuel, his cousin. Wow. Um, those two, I, I really, it's like dead even. They're, they're far as the value goes, uh, relatively close in age. They're both uh, similar in dynamics far as their, their play style. Man, that's a tough one. Um, I probably would go with Curtis Samuel only because right now what his situation is, I like better than what it is in San Fran. Um, I don't, not a huge fan of Jimmy, Jimmy G, you know, loved him for everything that he did for the Pats as a, as a backup QB and stepping in and, you know, doing what he did. But I don't think, uh, I don't think he's going to sling the ball like Fitzmagic is. So I'll give it to Curtis Samuel here. All right. I feel like Dan just keeps getting the heartbreakers. Dan, Curtis Samuel or your boy, Jalen Rager. Oh man. Okay. Um, I, whenever Dan does the, hmm, you know, oh, he's not ready. Know, for whatever he's, I'm not ready. Not ready for that type of heat. All right. I, in this scenario right now, I'm going to go Curtis Samuel. Whereas I believe Rager's ceiling is higher. I really do firmly believe that. I think he's, uh, he's going to have a good connection with Hertz, but I am very concerned about the free agency opportunity with the Eagles. And if they're going to bring in someone that's immediately going to start seeing uh, wide receiver uh, one targets over Rager. And at that point, if they're both relegated to being wide receiver twos in their own team, I have to go with Curtis Samuel. We've seen him produce better uh, in the past few seasons than we've seen with Rager right now. So it pains me because I am absolutely, I'm still team Rager. I think there's a path, but if I have to choose right now, I'm going to choose Curtis Samuel. All right. Back to Wes. Curtis Samuel or DJ Chark? Oh, I'm going DJ Chark. Um, yes, that's the right answer. That's, that's fair. That's, that's the only fair. answer, right? right answer. Especially, you know, with the uh, anticipation of Trevor Lawrence being there. Um, I mean, DJ Chark was, he was great in college and he, he played at LSU, correct? Yep. yep. LSU boy. Um, and I love my Just LSU boys. Just about to maybe boys. get Trevor Lawrence, you know, so. Yeah, dude. I, I think it's, it's a big opportunity for him. He's he is a wide receiver one specimen as well. So they're just in two different categories for me. All right, Dan, how about Curtis Samuel or another SEC phenom, Brian Edwards? Oh, man. I really made these to hurt your heart. You did. Every single one of these is just killing me. But here's the thing, Max, across the board, you know that I'm typically production over potential in a lot of circumstances, and I don't quite know what the Raiders are doing I believe just like Rager that Brian Edwards ceiling is higher but right now with what the opportunity is presenting itself as with Curtis Samuel guaranteed wide receiver two with a quarterback you know is going to sling it I'm going to lead Curtis Samuel by a hair and most likely in most circumstances I'm looking to acquire Curtis Samuel to be able to trade for Brian Edwards plus in any league that I have to be able to lock him in because I do think his potential is larger overall as a true that, alpha That is one. such a cheating answer with the trade but I'm going to let it slide. So <laughs> last one each, last one each. Uh Wes, we're going to talk about the other Jaguars receiver. I have not stopped talking about this man since he got drafted. Curtis Samuel or LaVisca Chanel? Yeah. Um, I, I, right now I'd have to go Curtis Samuel only because Wrong. of what I've seen, <laughs> <laughs> only because of what I've seen and what I haven't seen. Um, but if we're in a dynasty draft and, you know, we're drafting today, I probably could get LaVisca, you know, 
later on, then I can get Curtis Samuel, and I probably would lean that way. But they're both players that I would probably prioritize and want on my team as like a third wide receiver. We're not done with rapid fire, but this is the last shot fired at the uh, Curtis Samuel fan club. Dan, Curtis Samuel, or a man that we both are huge fans of, hasn't even played a snap in the NFL yet, doesn't even have a team, Curtis Samuel or Rondell Moore? Uh, at that point, at that point, I'm going Rondell Moore just because that's the right I know, and that's hard because that definitely goes against my uh, production versus potential. But uh, I'm excited for Rondell Moore. That's going to be a fun, fun place to fun player to see where he lands uh, in the draft. So it's hard sight unseen, but I love his uh, his profile, and we're going to see him do big things in the uh, in the league there. The only reason I started this show was to make Dan a hypocrite and flip-flop on all his uh, principles as a human being. I, I towed the line, if you will, but you, there were some challenging ones there. That was, uh, that was good. And we're not done with the questions yet. So, Wes, this one is perfect because you already mentioned it earlier and you had no idea that I was going to ask this. Uh, I was going to ask, is it over for Nikhil Harry? No, I don't, I don't think it's over for uh, Nikhil Harry. I think we we his first two seasons were kind of unfortunate and, you know, They've been plagued with injuries and then plagued with COVID. Um, I think this will be the first season where he gets a fair shake and we'll find out what Nikhil Harry is actually made of. Uh, my expectations are very high. He's a first-round draft pick. Um, so I'm going to keep him there for now. Love it. I'm a draft capital snob, so he's got that going for him. Right, exactly. Dan, a lot of sighs pre-show were heard on your end when we talked about this player. Is Jalen Hurts a top-12 dynasty quarterback? Ah, there's the sigh again. (laughs) Oh man. Most, mostly because I'm, I'm just very sad that I don't have any shares of him right now. Yes. Yeah, he is. Um, there's still some weird things that could happen with free agency. There's some weird things that could happen with the, uh, NFL draft. I I don't want to say he's a hundred percent locked and loaded. Apparently there was a lot of discrepancy between coaching and ownership on which direction they wanted to go. Uh, it sounds like they're leading Hurts, and if the f- commitment is there, um, I think he's going to do great things. I think you're going to start to see uh, the Lamar Jackson light-esque type of rushing type of stuff going on there. I think you're going to see some new weapons come in. If they don't invest in quarterback at the draft, they're going to give him weapons to help him succeed, right? He needs that. So if he if the stars align uh, for his best-case uh, scenario going into 2021, yeah, he could absolutely be a top 12 uh, quarterback for the season. All right, gentlemen, you did a fantastic job with the rapid fire. I had the easy job. This was the easy part. But uh, I want to get out of here with a bang. Wes, I want one player, just one, in the dynasty context that you are far higher on than consensus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as of right now, and this might just be where we are in the season, uh, you know, it's it's March, almost April, um, but – for me, it's Chase Edmonds. Uh, with the departure of Kenyon Drake, um, I think it opens up a lot of opportunities. And then to hear Kingsbury kind of, um, you know, say that he thinks Edmonds can fill that role or can definitely be an RB one for them, gives me a little bit of confidence in the fact that, you know, maybe he is going to step in that role and see, you know, an extra hundred touches next year and get the opportunity to be a be a bell cow. I don't think he his frame is really built for it, but you know I've seen smaller backs do more than uh, than that. So I think he's definitely got the opportunity. And for right now, I'm I'm higher on him than the general consensus is. 
the phenom so. from Fordham. I love it. Dan. <laughs> yes. Bring us home, buddy. Who are you far higher on than consensus at the moment? Yeah, it's hard. I was, I was taking a look uh, at my rankings, and, and one guy that I just saw that was sitting above where I typically see a lot of other people taking him, uh, James Robinson, um, running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars there. I think there's just so much opportunity to continue to be a stud going into next season. I think you do see people that are continually higher on them in some areas, but there's the extremes are extremes, right? People are either really in on them or very off of him, most particularly because he's just got so many things kind of working against him with uh, being a uh, undrafted free agent, and you see what he's been able to do as that. They don't stick around long in the league, but there's always going to be outliers. And for some reason, I just am hitching my, uh, my cart to at some point there's going to be an outlier and some point you're going to see someone break that mold from what he's been able to prove with Trevor Lawrence potentially coming on board. Now um, you saw them have this confidence in him where they were in, there was other things going on with Leonard Fournette, uh, like character stuff, et cetera, but they cut the dude just being like, Hey, you know what? Uh, we've got a, a solution here. That's going to work for us. Uh, and they have other holes they need to fill too. So if they were able to say, Hey, James Robinson, let's get another year with you with Trevor at the helm now being able to open up the running lanes, uh, as he uh, is a downfield kind of threat there, it's going to be really fun to see if they give him the reins. I don't think he's letting go. You get a couple games next season of him being the lead back. He, He's going to be a name that we continue to remember for quite some time. So uh, I I think he's going to uh, surprise a lot of people, and I'm just praying that they don't uh, invest anything major in the draft to make that come true. All right, gentlemen. Fantastic job with the rapid fire. I love it. And Wes, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Absolutely killed it with the questions. We're definitely going to have you back. Um, I've, you've op- We've opened the floodgates. Other voices are on the show. Dan and I have been exposed, and uh, we're in trouble. We're in trouble, Wes. Exactly. It was an absolute pleasure to be here with you boys. Uh, Can't thank you enough, and looking forward to some more episodes with you guys and uh, without you guys as well. Um, Big fans, so I'll be listening. We appreciate it, buddy. Well, like Dan said earlier, you know, we're going to get more voices on here, and we want to hear your voices in the reviews. So get the reviews in there. I don't care whether you hit one star or five star. I just want to know why. Hopefully you hit the five star. (laughs) <laughs> but um, I think that's it, boys. We got it. Dan, I think next show, we got a bunch of rookie talk queued up. Finally going to get those rankings cemented. Awesome. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So getting out of here for today, this is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>